Welcome to this telecast. My name's Lloyd Groleman and I'm the senior pastor of Warunga Seventh-day Adventist Church. Today I'm going to share with you a presentation on the Da Vinci Code. This has really made an impact in our world in the last few weeks. It's been a major bestseller, the book by Dan Brown, for some years. And now we have a movie that's on our big screens that is breaking records all over the place. The message of the Da Vinci Code is a very interesting one. It's also a very challenging one. It challenges Christianity in some areas that for Christians might, might make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. But as we look at this presentation and we have a look at what the Bible has to say, what the Bible has to say about Jesus, I'm sure your heart will be warmed and I'm praying that you'll be brought closer to this Jesus who's made such an impact in so many of our lives. God bless. Hope you enjoy the program. Good morning. Welcome to Warunga Seventh-day Adventist Church. This morning's topic, the Da Vinci Code, exposing the conspiracy, is an interesting one. I want to tell you right from the beginning that we're not here, I'm not here, to tear apart, to criticise, to demonise either Dan Brown or the Da Vinci Code. Rather, this morning I'd like to present to you an alternative view of Jesus Christ. A view that comes from the Bible, the book that he inspired. And so I pray that as we look at this this morning, that you'll be drawn closer to Jesus. You'll have a better understanding of who he is and what he offers you. And as we start this program, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads as we ask Jesus to be with us as we present this important topic. Jesus, we come before you this morning. We acknowledge you as God, as the sovereign of this world. We invite you into this church. May your Holy Spirit be here and may we leave this place in wonder at the love that you show to us and may we leave this place convicted that you are God, the Saviour of this world. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer. In your name, amen. Over the last four years, the Da Vinci Code has been the biggest selling book in the world. Over 46 million copies have been sold of the Da Vinci Code. Now that's amazing. I, I think it may be one of the biggest selling books in the history of the world. A movie entitled The Da Vinci Code has just been released. Two of the biggest stars in the world are in that movie. Tom Hanks stars in this movie together with the French actress Audrey Tateau. And it is an interesting story. Well, I found it interesting, The Da Vinci Code. I haven't seen the movie, but I have read the book twice. A very interesting story. And I want to just for a few moments, I don't want to spend too much time today on this story, but just to put you in, for those of you who have not seen the movie or read the book, I just want to put you in the picture for a few moments. The story starts off, it is a murder thriller about a man who is murdered and he is in the French Louvre or the French Museum. He leaves a series of clues. This man is shot in the stomach. In the half an hour that it took this man who was shot in the stomach to die, he left a series of clues. 
a series of clues in the museum that lead to the Holy Grail. And the Holy Grail, as, as many believe in the world today, and I actually don't happen to believe this, but many do, is not a cup. It is not a chalice that, was, that Jesus drank from uh, at the Last Supper. It is not a cup that was underneath the cross and caught his blood, that if you, if you drink from this cup, as, as many believe, you, you may have eternal life. In fact, in this book of Dan Brown, the Holy Grail is, in fact, a woman, Mary Magdalene. And Dan Brown claims some amazing things. He says that Mary Magdalene married Jesus. He goes on to say that not only did Mary Magdalene marry Jesus, but she bore him a daughter in France where she fled after Jesus' crucifixion. And the quest for the Holy Grail in Dan Brown's book, in Dan Brown's movie, is not for a cup or a chalice. In fact, the quest of the Holy Grail is to kneel at the bones of Mary Magdalene, the outcast one, the sacred feminine or the sacred goddess, the sacred lost goddess of Christianity. Now, right at the beginning as we look at this of this process, I want to make a statement that Dan Brown himself says that this book is nothing more than fiction. Dan Brown says that. In fact, I wanted to read you a quote. This is from the author, Dan Brown. He says, This is a work of fiction. The characters, places and events are either the product of the author's imagination or they are used entirely fictitiously. You'll find that on page 8 of his book. Dan Brown says that it is a work of fiction. The problem is this. And this is where the confusion comes in. Dan Brown uses real events. He uses real institutions. Dan Brown uses real places, real countries. And he he uses these real things as a prop for his fictitious story. And when people read this fictitious story, when people, when they watch this fictitious story, at the movies, they cannot decipher between truth and fantasy because of these real props that Dan Brown is using. The Da Vinci Code is fiction, but it is fiction that does some very, I think, even sinister things. It attacks this book, the movie, it attacks the deity of Christ. It attacks the reliability and the authority of the Bible. For a Christian, that is, that is a very serious thing. It claims that Jesus intended for Mary Magdalene to be the leader of the church after his death. And that the church covered up that fact and has been covering it up for almost 2,000 years. And so you see what I'm trying to say this morning. Dan Brown takes real events, real places... And he puts a fictitious story to it and it's causing much confusion out there in the world today. There are some huge historical errors in the Da Vinci Code, really running from the beginning of the book to the end. I want to just give you a couple of them this morning. In page 566, Brown describes the Holy of Holies as a subterranean vault under Solomon's temple. It is, in fact, a room in the temple where God's presence was. 
If you're a student of the Bible, you don't have to be a, 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 a very serious one even. You'll quickly realise that the Holy of Holies is a room in the temple of Israel that God got them to build many thousands of years ago. He goes on to say that the Priory of Sion, now in this book, the Priory of Sion is a special secret group, perhaps like the Masons or, or the Illuminati. And he goes on to say uh, uh, that the Priory of Sion, this ancient group that was, he claims, founded in Jerusalem in 1099 by King Godfrey de Bullion, he goes on to say that this group, this ancient secret group, is in the world to protect this secret, to look after the family of Jesus, whom the church has been trying to kill. Well, the problem with this is that the Priory of Sion is not an ancient mystic group that was founded a thousand years ago to look after the family of Jesus. In fact, if you, if you do a little bit of uh, investigation, you'll find out that in fact the Priory of Sion was invented and registered in May 1956. That's not long before I was born. And it was registered and put together by two convicted French con men, Pierre Plantard and André Bahome. Thus, most of Brown's plot falls down because the Priory of Sion, which is central to it, hasn't even existed for more than 50 years. Brown takes, as he unpacks his book, he takes this fictional story then and he attacks Christianity directly. He says that the Bible is a product of man not of God. And he says that it has evolved through countless translations, additions, and revisions. He also says that more than 80 Gospels were considered for the New Testament. He goes on to say the Bible was not put together by, by God, but by the pagan emperor Constantine the Great. And he says, in fact, that it was Constantine that deified or made Jesus Christ God. Well, I think it's worth having a look at these claims by Brown for just a few moments this morning. The Bible is a product of man, not of God, and has evolved through countless translations, additions and revisions. The supernatural aspects of prophecy in the Bible... If you don't know the Bible, you need to open it. And you need to read some of the prophecies. They are amazing where God in this book tells us about the future. And as you see the future unfolding, just as the Bible said it would, you are, I was driven to my knees. And I was convicted in the truth of this book and the authorship of it. This is not an ordinary book. And if you will read it and let it touch your life, you will find that out for yourself. The truth of prophecy convicts me today that this is not just the product of man, this book. Secondly, I want to tell you this morning that the Bible did not evolve. It was not the result of many different revisions and translations over many centuries. 
In fact, I want to tell you that the Bible was put together by God. And if you were to go into a study of it, you would be amazed at God's hand as he put this wonderful book together. Brown says that more than 80 Gospels were considered for the New Testament. That's not true. That is just not true. There has never been anything like 80 Gospels discovered. Never. He says the Bible was put together by the pagan emperor Constantine the Great. Again, not true. History doesn't bear it out. In fact, if you were to look at this subject, you'll find that the Old Testament was put together by the Israelites and the New Testament was more or less canonized or put together by 200 AD. And we know that because a disciple of Polycarp, his name was Arrhenius, says so. We can read it in Arrhenius's writings. And the interesting thing is, Arrhenius was a disciple of Polycarp. Polycarp was actually a disciple of John the Revelator, a disciple of Jesus himself. And so we can see that these claims that Dan Brown makes, and he can make them because it is a work of fiction and he says so, but these claims that he makes are just not true. Constantine, Brown says, deified Jesus. He claims that it was Constantine the emperor who made Jesus God. Well, that's not true. In fact, I want to tell you this morning that it was the Bible that made Jesus God. In John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, if you go to verse 14 in that same chapter, you'll see that the Word is Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus, the Bible says, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. John the disciple, under inspiration from God, says that Jesus clearly says, and this is a long time before Constantine, says that Jesus, Jesus is God. He is none other. He is God. You can go to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8. This is New Testament. We're talking about ancient writings long before the time of Constantine, hundreds of years before the time of Constantine, making the claim that Jesus is God. It was not Constantine. It was not a figment. This idea that Jesus is God was not a figment of the early church. It was what Jesus claimed. It was what Jesus claimed himself. It's what the Bible claims about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8, you've got God the Father speaking about God Jesus the Son. And Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8, God the Father says, Your throne, Jesus. Your throne, O God. That's what he calls him. But about the Son, he says, have a look at it on the screen. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. God the Father says Jesus is God. And we can go to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. We can go to the Old Testament. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Constantine. A prophecy in the Old Testament talking about Jesus, the Son of God, says, For unto us a child is born. Who was that child? It was Jesus, born in a manger. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Look at what the word says. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, Dan Brown can claim whatever he likes. It's a work of fiction. He has a right. If he wants to do it, he can do it. But if you are going to take the Bible as the foundation of what you believe, then you cannot accept, it is impossible to accept the claims of Dan Brown, his claims upon Jesus, the Son of God. Brown goes on to claim that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. There is not a shred of biblical or historical evidence to point to this anywhere. Not a shred. It's interesting to me that in John chapter 19, Jesus is on the cross and he is dying. One of the women at his feet is Mary Magdalene. If you were to read Dan Brown's book and to believe it, Mary Magdalene, not only was she at the bottom of the cross, but she was pregnant with Jesus' first child. Jesus, according to the Bible, is hanging on the cross and he looks down in John chapter 19, verse 25. And then he looks at his disciple, John, and he says, John, there is my mother. Jesus knew he was dying. Please look after her. Mary Magdalene's there. According to Dan Brown, she's pregnant. But there is no evidence of Jesus who is loving, who is kind, who cares for people beyond any other person who has ever lived. There is no evidence of Jesus as he hung on the cross saying, John, please look after my mother, but please also look after my pregnant wife. Mary Magdalene, that evidence is just not there. Jesus, according to scripture, was never married. Never married. Never married. In fact, if we read the Bible, we find out that Jesus does have a bride, that his bride is the church. It's you and it's me. And soon Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his people. To take her home. And you can go to Matthew chapter 25. If you have a Bible, open your Bible and check it out in your own time. You can go to Revelation chapter 21. In fact, many places in the New Testament and in the Old, Jesus likens his church, his people, that's you, to a bride. So I want to ask you in conclusion, is Brown's novel worth all the worry and the fuss? It's not historically accurate. It's not theologically accurate. It is fiction. Is it worth all the fuss? I don't think so. It's a rollicking adventure story, if you like, murder thriller, that uses real people and real places and real events sometimes to advance a fictitious story of fantasy. I don't think we should be out there with placards protesting against this. I think we should be in our Bible thanking God that we have a book of reliability that tells us, that tells us who Jesus is and what he came to do. You can rely on this book and you can rely on what it has to tell you about Jesus Christ. Dan Brown's novel will not change the world. Jesus did. 
Dan Brown's novel, his movie, it's nothing more than a pagan rewrite of history. Jesus' life is history. It is the past, it is the present, and it is the future of this world. It is the truth. Dan Brown's book, his movie, it erodes the authority and reliability of the Bible. Fine! Bible's been being attacked for thousands of years and it's still here and it's still believed by millions of people from one end of the world to the other as the truth. Dan Brown's book, his movie, God bless him, it will never change the world. It's an hour, what, two hours, two and a half hours of, of entertainment in a movie theatre, people walk out of it, most will forget it. It's a good read, well, if you want to call it, it's a read that may take a day or two. It's entertainment. It's not the truth. And it doesn't have the ability to convict hearts and to drive people to their knees to make decisions for good like the Bible and Jesus Christ does. He did not just die on the cross and disappear into history. His family did not move to Paris, to France and begin a royal line. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. He lives in heaven. He is the saviour of the world. Did Jesus love women? Sure. He loved them as their creator. I have studied the stories in the Bible of Jesus and the women that he came into contact with. I have studied the relationship between Jesus and the women that were in his life. And it was a beautiful thing. Did Jesus love Mary Magdalene? You, you, you can be sure of it. But it was the love of the king to his daughter. It was the love of a saviour to a lost sinner. And Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to the cross, not because she found a husband, but because she found a saviour in Jesus Christ. And that is the truth and the power of the story of Jesus in the Bible. I'm not here today to tell you to go and watch or not to watch the Da Vinci Code. I'm not here to tell you to read or not to read Dan Brown's book. What I'm here to tell you this morning is that the Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus of the Da Vinci Code. They are two different people. They are two different beings. The Jesus of the Da Vinci Code is there for entertainment. The Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus who lives in my heart. He is here as a saviour of the world. And if you will let him into your heart, he will come in and he will change your life too. And that is my prayer for you this morning. Hope you enjoyed this program. I found it interesting and challenging to put together. See, I had a vested interest in this though because I serve Jesus Christ. He has made a huge difference in my life. And I'd like to challenge you to give Jesus a go in yours. You know, it's a, it's a simple thing. All you've got to do is get on your knees and say, Jesus, come into my heart. He'll hear that prayer. He'll respond to that prayer. And he will begin to move in your life immediately. 
God bless. Look forward to seeing you the same time next week as we look at another very challenging issue from the Bible and in our world. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Bye.